You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. going through a series on Luke right now. Today we find ourselves in a passage, I'm going to read it, it's about two paragraphs, um, where Jesus is doing quite a bit of teaching. In fact, in this general area of Luke, there's a lot of red letters because Jesus is constantly teaching, putting all the parables uh, close by to each other and, and a lot of things like that. So I'm going to read it to you. It starts off great, we all follow it, and then it gets a little intense. So recognize that God loves you. Prophets often speak intensely to get our attention. Uh, they want us to, to really catch what they're saying. And when we don't say things intensely, sometimes everything doesn't really get heard at all. So here's what Jesus says. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door... To him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes from the second watch or in the third and he finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then? is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and, and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him of much will be required. From him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Let me read that last line because that's especially where we're camping out today. But the one who did not know Oh, sorry. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That last line is one of Jesus' more popular sayings. We've heard it said before, and it's the one that I really want to hone in on. I love producing stuff generating things, creating things, uh, different kinds of things that I feel like God has given me in my life to enjoy doing. Like I, 
I just get really, really hooked on that kind of stuff. Um, and it makes me hungry for more. So occasionally I'll get caught up in some kind of project and just go crazy on it. If I start writing a book, I often will kind of blast my way through it. If I start writing some music, I will often blast my way through it. Uh, if there's a blog post that pops into my mind that I could write, I sit down and then I'm just kind of sucked into it for hours. I mean, this is, this is my kind of personality. I realize this isn't how it works for everybody, but when I have something fresh on my mind that I want to do, I really get hooked on it for some time. And when I look at parables like this, um, it helps me feel like I'm doing some of what I have been entrusted with. That if uh, God has given me a specific gifting or a talent, or maybe I lack in a specific gifting or talent, but I feel a sudden urge to kind of develop it over there, I suddenly feel like, okay, I'm going to dive into this and give it what I got and see what I can uh, produce for God out of this. And I think to some extent that's, that's kind of a, a frame of mind that God is inviting all of us into. A lot of times we say, well, I just feel like I don't have much to give, but that's, that's not exactly how the parable goes. The parable is about what do you have to give and are you doing what you have been gifted with to do it? Are you pressing into it more? Are, are you taking what God has already given you and turning it into something fresh? Because God sees what we do with the stuff that he gives us and then he actually pours out even more for us to continue to do. So what, what is the case for us when we stop and say, what am I doing for the kingdom? What am I producing? Because this has not always been the case for me. Um, I feel like there's been some seasons of my life where I've been just very apathetic. Sitting on a couch, binge watching Netflix all day. <laughs> if the Lord came back in those seasons, like, Jamin, I have returned. What are you doing? Oh, I'm on like season three of Stranger Things, God. What you up to? I've come back for the world. All right, hang on. Let me see what happens in the upside down real quick. It's getting crazy here. Steve did something dumb. <laughs> you know, like I, uh, when I stop and think of all the hours and hours I've put into video games or this or that, like these aren't bad things and they're good hobbies and I enjoy doing them and I still do them all the time. But how many times I've just been sucked up into things that, that make no kingdom difference. Sometimes things that make the opposite difference on my life. How often we can get caught up in those things. And I wonder like, what it would be like if we took this parable and we actually thought of it in that moment. Jesus walks, Jesus comes down on the clouds, rides to the earth, and I'm sitting in my underwear watching Stranger Things. Oh, hey, Jesus, what you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize it was now the time, you know? Whereas if I have found something productive, it's like, oh, wow, I was just talking about you. I was just working on something for you. I was just thinking about you. I just, here's this song I just wrote. You know, here's this thing that I just produced, this book where I was just thinking over this particular part of, of who you are and what you're doing. I hope that the fruit of my life in that moment can look like somebody who's been entrusted with something, who's done well with the things that they've been given, and is able to come back with God and say, Here, here's what I've done. 
That's the hope. That's the hope. And uh, I, I just mentioned while I was leading worship, um, but I had just like finished a, a new album, something that really ended up just feeling like a love letter between me and God. Um, and I took a moment the other night and was just kind of daydreaming with him, handing him the album, just saying like, what would you do with this if I were to see you in person and, and hand this to you? And, and what I felt like the Spirit just kind of gave me a narrative of was, was him taking it and planting it in the ground. Here's your latest, latest album. This is Seed for the Kingdom. Okay, God, but like, you know, nobody may even listen to this thing. It may not even matter. Like, like, I'm trying to produce for you. I'm trying to bring about your kingdom in the ways in which you've, you've given me desires. But like, does this, does this matter? Seed in the ground. And Jesus tells another parable about that one. You know, a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, Jesus, I keep trying this and that and the other thing and nothing seems to work. And maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe nobody wants to come to you because I'm in the way of what you're trying to do and so on and so forth. And Jesus gives us a parable that all the kinds of things that we do to bring about the kingdom of God in Jackson as it is in heaven, all the kinds of things we do to bring about the kingdom of heaven in Jackson, it's seed. It's planted. And then we allow God to do the growth. We trust him with the kinds of things that we make. And sure, sometimes it's going to feel like some things don't spring up. But other times, the things spring up well after maybe you've even died. There's so many stories throughout history of people that like, like the song How He Loves, for example. That was written way before anybody was singing it in churches. That, that suddenly like surged years, years after that had already come out. That's an example of like God taking seed. The story that John Mark McMillan had written that song with, his, his friend heard the chorus and said, you know, one day that song is going to make you famous. And he said, yeah, okay. And then his friend, his friend died. And John Mark McMillan finished the song on behalf of his friend. Uh, he really liked this song, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it off. And then that ended up, like, years later, the seed of heaven that he had written ended up being planted in the ground and sprouted much later than expected. I mean, that song for me, that, that song was huge. That's my favorite worship song. I'm glad he wrote it. He doesn't realize how much it's impacted me in my life. So grow, grow. Take the things God has given you, plant it in the ground. See what he's up to. And I realize that some people would look at uh, my life and, um, like, I just had a pastor friend ask me, Jamin, when do you ever sleep? <laughs> um, well, I, just, I do sleep just like everybody else, just to be clear. Um, but, like, he was looking at the uh, amount of stuff that occasionally I'll, I'll work on. He's like, when, when do you have time to sleep? And I've realized that um, rest has taken on a different shape in my life. And uh, this is some stuff I'm still kind of brainstorming out here. You know, in the church, we often talk about Sabbath and rest. We're not slaves. We need to take breaks. We need, we need to relax. We need to be in God's presence and things like that. But I often wonder if we take this to extremes. 
I at least have seen this sometimes in churches where I've, when I was first starting to pastor, I had a lot of pastors come up to me to be like, look, Jamin, you got to choose a day. It's not going to be a Sunday. You're always going to be busy that day. Choose a day where everything is cut off and you do nothing. You answer no calls. <laughs> you don't do anything. And uh, something about that always felt like I like, felt like more work to protect myself to rest, you know, like, I can't be friends with people on this one day. On this one day, everybody that I love is no longer my friend. They're my workforce, you know, like <laughs> I have to just put up walls around people. Uh, same thing, um, same thing, but different. Uh, somebody was telling me that we were working on ensuring that all pastors take a sabbatical. And I was like, for me, you, you're forcing me to go away from my friends. Like, I don't. That burns me out. I don't want to be gone from 1208. Like, well, okay, you know, just, you can go on a trip or something. It's like, I don't have money for that. <laughs> you just, what do you want me to do? Just sit in my house <laughs> for a month or two and not, not be around people? Like, that kind of productivity with people, that, that's what energizes me. That kind of kingdom-minded focus. What has God given me that I can give back to him today? And when I'm done with whatever project I've been working on, that, that feels like a gift to me. It feels like a gift back to God. And I don't feel burnt out from it. There's an energizing presence of the Holy Spirit that I think comes alongside us when we're doing kingdom work. And I think that's biblical. When you do your work with God, then... Um, he walks alongside you with it. There have been many kinds of big type events that we've done that have taken a lot of energy, but those moments are where the presence seems to show up the most. And you, you feel tired at the end, but you also feel like you were sustained through it. I mean, Jesus had to experience that. When you look at all the crowds he served all the time, how, how did he pull through that? Because the kingdom work he was doing, the Holy Spirit would walk alongside him. This is a really bizarre thing that often happens um, in worship times or prayer times. That when the Spirit shows up and you've been praying for people for hours or worshiping for hours, you all check your clock and you're like, how's it been this long already? Didn't we just get started? How does that happen so often? I think it's the energizing Holy Spirit coming alongside of us to do kingdom ministry. That doesn't burn me out. That empowers me to go forward. And so I have to find different kinds of ways to rest. Because somebody working several different jobs, you can't exactly find just one day to cut off from the world. Sabbath, in some ways... When you look at people in poverty, like if we were to force them to rest, they would be suffering even more. No, no, God told you, you can't move today. <laughs> okay, I just won't feed my children because I have no money. And I think when we idolize rest, we miss the point. Sabbath even, to some extent, if you look at the Bible, the temple is where God's presence is on the earth, Okay. You walk into God's tabernacle, God's presence is there. The Sabbath was supposed to be that in a temporal kind of way. There's God's presence in space, and then there's God's presence in time. 
So the Sabbath was meant to be like, this is God's time. This day is when he is with us within time, within us, within space, within us, within time. And I think there are ways to practice Sabbath still where um, you're meeting God in a restful kind of way where he meets you in time. I think when we get so caught up in idolizing rest, we can burn ourselves out. We can get apathetic that God would come back and find us doing nothing. What about all those things I gave you? What about, what about the return on investment? And Jesus, Jesus does get pretty extreme in this parable. Jesus tells us that like those who weren't expecting him to come back at all, that he'll be lighter on them than those of us that knew the truth and didn't do anything with what he gave us. We talked about this in a previous message that on the day of judgment, there's actually more varying degrees of understanding of judgment than just this heaven and hell game that God actually takes into account. All right, all the stuff I gave you, what'd you do with it? I'm not just talking money. A lot of what I'm talking about today has been like you, your personality. There is a kind of work that will burn you out. Find the kind of work that God has put in you that the Spirit wants to do with you that won't burn you out. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about leaning into. That's the kind of stuff that, that I often lean into. We all have work to do that burns us out. Don't, don't hear me say do more of that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have no choice. When I have to do budget work for 1208, I am not energized. Not even a little bit. I am de-energized. I, I receive negative energy from doing budget work. The only positive energy I get from budget work is when it's done, I'm like, I did a project that had an ending today. <laughs> that, was, that was different. But all the work I did to get there, miserable. If you're a Jamin, just do more budget work for the Lord, I would say, no nice words to you. <laughs> I would say Mark is technically our treasurer, and he should do it. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate you. But figure out what God has gifted you with, what he's blessed you with. He loves you. And God actually looks to trust us. I often find spiritual gifts to be like that. I think that's why tongues is such an easy first-level gift, because you need so much faith to speak in a language that you don't know what you're saying. What did that mean? I have no idea. Did it mean anything? I have no idea. Was God pleased by it? I don't know. But I had the faith to do it. He sees that. He trusts that. And then perhaps looks for more things to trust us with. He is slow and patient. And as we lean into him and he trusts us, he pours out. So I wrap up, I think of B.T. Roberts. This is a free Methodist church. He helped found it. I remember reading a book once that talked about how he died kind of young. I don't remember what age. Does anybody know? Anybody? Is, is it okay? I want to say like 50s or 60s. Uh, but they were talking about like he was just always going. He was just always moving forward, doing all of this church work and, and moving things forward. And if he would have just slowed down, 
then maybe he would have lived longer. And I, I hear statements like that, and I'm like, man, that guy lived a hundred times the life that any of us lived. Look at the fruit of the kingdom ministry in which he served. Look at the fruit that he planted and how it grew up. It lived well beyond him. It surged in the time he was around. And we look at that like, if he would have just slowed down, maybe he could have played some more video games. Good old BT Roberts playing video games. I don't think they had those back then. It's like, no, I, you know, yeah, the dude needed to rest more. But like, when you look at the people that have changed the world trying to bring about kingdom fruit, Paul does not strike me as somebody who rested very much. I mean, he probably did because he was a good Pharisee. But still, the dude is constantly on the move. Resting for him very much may have been, well, it's the Sabbath. Here comes a storm on this boat. I shall sit here and endure it. <laughs> John Wesley started the Methodist Church. The dude was always on horseback, moving somewhere else, trying to do the things that he felt God had gifted him to do. When you look throughout history, you see that. God trusts people. They step up. God pours out. So this is not an encouragement to you today to not rest. This is an encouragement to you today to figure out what God has gifted you with and plug into it. Do not always get caught up on this, well, I don't know if it's had any result. I don't know if it's made a difference. I don't know A, B, C, or D. Just take what God has given to you, plant it like seed in the ground, and let it continue to grow. If you want it to be in Jackson as it is in heaven, then plant the seeds of heaven in Jackson. If you want your friends to experience Jesus, then allow God to work in the giftings he's given you so that they would look at you and see Jesus in you. That they would see something different about you. If you want, when Jesus returns, to find you not sitting on your couch, but trying to figure out how you can bless him best, then make sure you're keeping watch. Be ready at all times. That's probably much easier for the early church who was like, he's going to be back any day. He said he'd be back in a generation. The rest of us have the knowledge like, it's been at least 2,000 years. It could be another 2,000 years. Maybe we can get away with not doing anything at this moment. <laughs> but that's not the lesson we're supposed to learn. The kingdom of heaven is always coming. So Jesus, we, we come before you and, and we recognize that we're all different here. There are different kinds of works that burn us out. And there are different kinds of works for your kingdom that you come alongside us, that you labor with us, that you enrich us with, and that you just pour out so that we do exactly the kinds of works that you're wanting to do. Would you gift us with those kinds of things? And I pray right now that you would reveal in people's hearts the kinds of things that you've already gifted them with for that. Jesus, you wanted your church to work, and you knew it couldn't work as one person. You know, it couldn't work as a pastor, it couldn't work as a deacon, couldn't work as an elder. It had to work off of the entire church community coming together, pouring out the different giftings that you had given them so that the whole church could hold each other accountable on the kinds of, of talents that they had to invest in your kingdom and change the world. Jesus, sometimes I wonder... Since you did say you'd be back in a generation, uh, I, I wonder sometimes if you really meant that. And if 2,000 years have gone by, 
simply because you looked at what your church was doing and you said, wow, they are actually listening. They are actually doing the things that we told them to do. After we send all those prophets to them over the centuries to tell them to get it right, and they didn't listen to anything but just got worse, there are actually some Jesus followers out there bringing about the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, actually taking the things we've trusted them with, planting it in the ground. Hey, hey, Father, why don't we wait before we go back? We could actually see more people saved. Because they're actually listening. They're actually investing. Jesus, maybe that's not the case. Your spirit told Jeremiah that you could give prophetic words and change them based on how people responded. So maybe it is the case, but maybe it's not. But one thing is for sure, you are coming back. And if you come back while we are still here, we want to be found faithful. And if we die before you come back, we want to find ourselves before your throne saying, here's the things you gave me, here's what I offered back, I hope you liked it. Every little thing we gave, a love letter to who you are. So we give ourselves to you. And we ask that you would teach us and train us and send your spirit to work alongside us and empower us with more that we would be found trustworthy for it. In Jesus' name, amen.